Hey, everybody. I'm with Dr. Diane Hamilton. How are you, Diane? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. My pleasure. It's my favorite topic today. And before we get started, I want to remind everybody who is watching that you can watch more of these videos if you subscribe to my YouTube channel. And as always, you can also listen to the audio version on Podbean. Thanks for your comments and for all your attention, everybody. Diane, we had the pleasure of connecting when I was a guest on your great show. Yes. And you specialize in, you say it, you, you describe <laughs> it, because it's a real specialty. I, you know, it's hard to say what I do. I'm a business behavioral specialist, I guess you could say. I'm an expert in the area of a lot of things that impact behavior in business. I have a PhD in business leadership and management, basically, which, uh, was interesting because when I wrote my doctoral dissertation, I wrote it on emotional intelligence and its impact on performance. So some people think I'm a psychologist, but you know I handle the psychology realm in the business aspect. But my my education's in business. And uh, you've got a lot of great credentials, man. Uh, tell mm -hmm. us about your books, and you just made a a, a list, a worldwide list that everybody should know about. Well, my credentials. Let's see. <laughs> I, you know, I'm certified to give emotional intelligence tests and uh, different personality assessments. And so I created an assessment that determines the factors that keep people from being curious. And it's called the Curiosity Code Index. And my research for that in my book, Cracking the Curiosity Code, got the attention of Thinkers 50 Radar out of London, which, you know, they, they put me on their list of 30 most innovative companies to watch in the year 2020. And Thinkers 50 is just like the Academy Awards of Business Professional. So it's really exciting. It's like being a nominated, you know. And so- yeah, Google it up, it's got some household names in there. And, and it, this is an annual list that turns over every year, or at least one part of it does. Uh -huh. You're in rarefied air there, great company. Yeah, I mean, the, th the Thinkers 50, I think they have the meetings every other year in November, but I yeah. think the radar list that I'm on is every year. And yeah. so I was just at their last event in November and it's just a who's who. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing when you're walking through everybody's, you know, these Harvard geniuses everywhere. And, it, and it's not just the U.S. I mean, it's all around the world. Everything that they do there is it's really an impressive group. Your book, the uh, Cracking the Curiosity Code. I've always been a very curious person, but it wasn't something <laughs> like I gravitated toward as if it would be some sort of a great virtue. I just kind of think I'm naturally curious. Uh -huh. Why is curiosity a virtuous kind of trait to have? Well, you know, we're all born curious. I mean, we, the Max Planck Institute coined the term curiosity gene because we all have it, animals have it. Uh, think of a bird, if it only flew around one bush, it would run out of berries if it wasn't curious enough to look somewhere else, right? Yeah. So we, we have to have this genetic trait. It's a great thing to have, it increases dopamine, it makes us feel better, it has all these great rewards. We all have it, but if you look at what happens around age five, we see a peak and then a decline. And that was what was interesting to me. As I started to write my book, I thought, well, I need to figure out what's stopping it. And then I started to notice that all the assessments out there all tell you whether you're curious or not, but what if you're not, then what do you do, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, well, there's something missing here. I need to figure out why I'm not so I can move forward. And so it's, it is a very important thing, but there's a lot of factors in life that uh, take it, you know, its toll on us. And, you know, for those 
people who've heard, you know, curiosity kills the cat and all the things, you know, if there, there's some people who have maybe been discouraged from being curious. I mean, sometimes you don't want your kids looking into every drawer or everything, you know, there's things that we hear that sometimes discourage us. But curiosity is what I think is the spark. And from what all my research shows is the spark to all the things that companies are trying to fix, like an engagement, uh, innovation, motivation, uh, productivity, everything. I mean, it all comes back down to curiosity. Yeah, this is good timing, too, because I think in our culture, for some reason, uh, maybe this is just my uh, impression, is that we're starting to become much more uh, parochial about how we see things. Um, we're discouraged yeah. from engaging with strangers. Facebook doesn't even want you to connect with people that you don't already know, which is like the ridiculous premise for a networking platform. <laughs> but but uh, if, you, if you're in a grocery line at the store and you turn around and talk to the person behind you, it's considered odd. Even if you were going to ask them a question about where they bought their boots or something, uh -huh. it's, a, it's a stretch for a lot of people. Do you think that, that we're kind of, uh, there's like this pulling down now on, uh, on this type of conversation, or do you think that it's opening up more? What do you see in society? Well, you're talking in a way about tunnel vision. A lot of people have tunnel vision that they get very interested in one thing or another, and then they don't look outside of that. And you're also talking about technology, how maybe we've, we've got our earbuds on, you used to be at the gym and talk to the person on the treadmill next to you, yeah. and then now you, know, you don't want to bother them because they have their earbuds on. And there's different things that are keeping us from interacting, like we used to act. Uh, but um, you're touching on some of the issues of what keeps us from being curious. And uh, really, in my research, I found there are four major things that are keeping us more in that tunnel vision, status quo kind of thinking. And companies can't be status quo thinkers, because if they look at things by the way they always did things in the past or the, the traditional models of making decisions, they're going to end up like Blockbuster and Kodak and maybe miss out on some great opportunities. And nobody wants that. They want to have the uh, their employees to really embrace this ability to come up with new and innovative ideas. We know artificial intelligence is going to take away a lot of jobs. And all those people that we know we're losing $500 billion and up on, according to Gallup, for more engagement, now maybe we can move them into something that they'd like, that they'd want to do, that they'd feel passionate about going to work. And to do that, you really have to open up that dialogue of uh, letting people ask questions and explore things and having that very curious culture. And I work with a lot of companies like Verizon and Novartis and just big name companies who really see the value of increasing curiosity within their workplace, that they created reward systems and training and all these things wrapped around improving curiosity. I'm thinking of a really basic application like customer service. You know, the whole essence of customer service is probing and right. asking the person on the phone, what else are you having problems with? What, tell me more. Uh, getting inside their head a little bit so that you can serve them better. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned four things that businesses can do to improve their situation. Yeah, there's really four factors. And what you just said reminds me a little bit of improv. It's yes and, you know. Yeah, you <laughs> I, uh, I worked in sales forever, and that was so important. We had to ask questions. But uh, it does have a lot of applications for sales, customer service, everybody within the company. It's, it's basically, when I'm working with these organizations, it's not just have the salespeople take it or have the HR people take it. It is like if you've taken a disc or an emotional intelligence test, 
the entire organization can benefit from this. But the four factors that inhibit curiosity uh, is the acronym of FATE, F-A-T-E, and that stands for fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. So when I did uh, my research, I studied thousands of people for years just to get the, the correct questions to just, you know, determine these factors of what holds us back. And fear, of course, was the first thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about what might cause somebody to be um, hesitant to ask questions at work. I mean, we don't, no one wants to look dumb. Nobody wants to say, hey, what, you know, in a meeting because you think you're the only one or whatever, you don't want to look unprepared and all the things that go along with that. So fear keeps a lot of people, whether it's looking dumb or just the culture of the company discourages curiosity sometimes. We, we know from research that most uh, leaders think they encourage curiosity, but less, less than half of the employees agree with that. So they yeah, don't the feel that way. There's a culture of fear, culture of love. Right. And how ironic that the, that the companies that seem to have a culture of fear pride themselves on open door policy and stuff, and the employees don't feel that way at all. It's, it, you know, it's something that it, a lot of leaders surround themselves with people that tell them what they think they want to hear. Yeah. And sometimes it seems like, you know, nobody's going to tell the truth in surveys sometimes if they think it's going to impact them on their performance review. Yeah. So some of this stuff does goes on un, unspoken. So fear is a huge one. Um, the assumptions is another one because it's basically the voice in your head. It's that uh, I'm not going to like this. Last time I asked about something they just gave me more work uh, I don't you know they didn't pay me why would I do it again um, you know just all the things you tell yourself that I'm not gonna I've taken this before in the in a class and it was boring it, we have these inner monologues that go on and we think hmm you know I, I just don't want to do that for whatever reason that we've convinced ourselves and then if you look at technology we can over underutilize it as you know example of the person on the treadmill next to us too. We're not talking to them because we're relying on technology to just be antisocial in a way. But it could be at, in the workplace, we haven't been trained very well. We uh, don't understand the basics. Maybe we just think of a calculator. If you ever never knew the math behind it, you, you really don't know. You might be the greatest mathematician in the world had somebody actually ta taught you some of this. So we need the foundations, but we also want to use it to the best of its uh, capabilities. So some days, might need to be high tech days and some days low tech days. And then an environment, which is a huge part of it, is basically everybody you've ever known, uh, as far as your family, your friends, your teachers, your peers, your bosses, your last boss, your current boss, everybody you've ever interacted with, social media even. And if you think about how much that impacts what you do, well, everybody in our family were lawyers or everybody you know in the school studied this or whatever it is that you've been directed toward because everybody else was doing it you get directed that way that's quite a list yeah and it was very interesting to do the research i'm doing continued research with top companies uh, novartis is doing a research study with me right now to look at the before and after levels of um, the value of, of improving curiosity um, it, it's it's such an impactful thing that it was stunning to me that nobody had done this. Because I, when I'm writing my book, I'm looking around going, well, where's the, where's the study? Where, where's the surveys, you know, that you give yeah. people? And Ron when you did a book about curiosity a bit ago. But yeah, it's a good book, yeah. It, it was uh -huh. about the value of being curious and how 
I think a lot of it was about how he had developed curiosity as a way to get access to people. He would interview them and have them come mm -hmm. to his office. And he There's a lot of good books. Yeah. And, and that's one. Fish that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the books are out there. There's no question that there's books about the importance of motivation, drive, curiosity, a lot of the things that kind of creativity, things that tie together. Yeah. What there isn't is a way to improve it, a really set method. And that's what I wanted to do. Is, and that's where you know, the, this index came from. It, it not only showed you where you were on the scale, but how you could improve if you if right. you. So if you find out that you have a fear of looking uh, and, you know, uh, unprepared or you have a fear of feeling, you know, made people thinking you look stupid or whatever it is that you you have all these questions that you answer and you get you get a score in different areas. And once you kind of know where you fall on the scale of these, there's 36 questions. It's very similar to taking disc or something else where you get the 26 page PDF and, and you get a report instantaneously. If you go to curiositycode.com, you can do it immediately and get that companies sometimes give it to everybody in the company but it is for anybody who wants to take it and it's it's something that gives you an action plan of like okay so now you know where you are now you can make smart you know measurable goals to overcome this by kind of doing a personal SWOT analysis of sorts kind of understanding your weaknesses and your opportunities and your threats and things that might hold you back and you know it's what it really does is it opens up this this conversation in these training sessions because I, I certify people to be to give this so I spoke at SHRM last summer and you know you get five hours of SHRM recertification credit if you take the certification program so HR professionals consultants all those people lo love to take the training and then when they're in these training sessions with people they they go through this like this first part this helping them get over their issues that they have with fear assumptions technology and environment but then after they do this personal uh, action plan with them and help them do this, then they go on to do this uh, corporate-wide action plan where they t everybody gives input to how they can fix all the things within the company now that they know how to improve their own curiosity. They could say, well, how can we help you improve your curiosity to help us improve uh, emotional intelligence, leadership, uh, critical thinking, whatever the issues are that, that leaders want to help improve. And this is great for HR professionals and consultants because they take all that back to leadership and they go, here, here's the problem right from the horse's mouth. Because we know this works. Disney had problems with turnover in their laundry. What they did was all these people were, you know, leaving and they thought, well, we go to them and we ask them, what can we do to make your job better? And it seems really simple and basic. But basically, they, they got these wonderful suggestions, you know, put an air vent over my desk, make my table go up and down so my back doesn't hurt, things that they could fix. And that's kind of what we're doing here. We're going to get from the horse's mouth, what can we do to help you? And how can you help us help you? And you get a report, and this, everybody wins. So can you certify people as curious? I can I can say they were curious enough to be certified to have the Curiosity Code Index certification. Yes. You know, I'm I'm kind of half joking. You mentioned earlier about the, I think it was a legit reference to the genome that mm -hmm. we all have because, mm -hmm. because they map the genome now. They have an aggression gene and a curiosity mm -hmm. gene. Uh -huh. But if you don't have the curiosity gene, how far can you actually move on the spectrum? Well, everybody's got the curiosity gene. It's just, it's like having skin or anything else. <laughs> I mean, you just have it. And uh, it's a part of your genetic makeup. Okay. And if you didn't, you know, mankind would, would die just like the bird would die. You need to be able to explore. But, you know, I, I'm thinking about people with uh, 
introverted personalities, you know, and uh, I do a lot they of- They could be highly curious as well. The introvert uh, versus the extrovert is kind of how you prefer to gain information, for example. Okay, so for me, I'm energized. If say I'm an, uh, an extrovert, I'm energized by being in a you know, group of people and all the interactions and things, that makes me feel energized. Uh, if I'm an introvert, I might be energized from being at home and not having that social, you know, pressure of people all around me. But we both could, I mean, introverts might read more than extroverts. I mean, it just, it doesn't have a, uh, a lot to do with uh, your ability to desire to learn things. It's just okay. how you prefer to get your content and, and, and how you prefer to interact with other people. Did you read, are you a Malcolm Gladwell fan? I am. I've, I've, it's been a long time since I've <laughs> read his work. His, his most recent book is called uh, Talking to Strangers. Did you get a chance I to I have not read that? that one, though. I, I want to. I want to. He talks about how um, a lot of the, and he does a deep dive on famous cases like the Sandra Bland case, uh, oh. Bernie Madoff, uh, Brandon Knox, uh -huh. uh, about how a bunch of us make assumptions about people based on our observations. Right. And it, what occurs to me is on the inverse of that, you know, every, every window has a pane. You can look through yeah. two different directions. So uh -huh. you can make assumptions or you can come in the other pane and ask questions and get uh, additional supplemental information. And yeah. Gladwell's hypothesis is that we spend so much time making observations and then casting our bet with the little limited information that we have that we, we short circuit the curiosity i'm just making this connection yeah. now because of what you're what you're saying that well, we're not yeah. curious we make assumptions about people and it gets us in trouble with relationships it either stalls the relationship or has us believing the wrong things about people curiosity is a great way to find out about others right yeah that ties into a couple things that I, i'd speak and write about um as far as george land did some work with nasa we're looking at creativity and that ties into what we saw with curiosity as far as how we make these propose these I creative ideas so we right. step on the gas but at the same time we over criticize them and we put on the brake yeah. and so we when you right drive your car you you put your foot on the brake and the gas at the same time you don't get very far and yeah. you know and it also ties into emotional intelligence what you're talking about the ability to have empathy is a big part of emotional intelligence so i write about a lot of this in my next book on perception and um it, perception is a lot of IQ, EQ, CQ for curiosity quotient and CQ for uh, cultural quotient. And a lot of it is if, to develop relationships with people, you have to ask questions, you know, but you have to be listening and put yourself in the other person's shoes to have empathy. And we, you know, thanks to Tony Alessandro, we know we don't go by the golden rule anymore of treat others as they want to be treated. We tr go by the platinum rule, treat them as uh, they would want to be treated instead of how we'd want to be treated. I want to make sure I said that properly. So we, um, if we understand how others want to be treated, to do that, you have to ask questions. You have to be curious. Otherwise, you're just putting your own spin on everything. You're making assumptions of, treating them the way you'd want to be treated, the old golden rule. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, it, it sounded good. And, it, you know, we're thinking we're doing the nice thing. But really, to be truly empathetic, you have to ask people, why do you prefer to do it this way? What can I do to reach you in the way you'd like to be reached? You know, how can I, I, I do that? Otherwise, you're hitting that window pane, like he's saying, and you're, you're not getting anything coming back 
where you can adjust and actually make it through. Do you, do you think that as a society, we're becoming less curious as a whole? We talked about the, this tunnel vision thing before. Uh-huh. You, think it's a, you think it's a thing, like we're kind of becoming so self-absorbed in various ways that, that we're yeah. not curious about other people? Yeah. Uh, Todd Cashton's the one who does a lot of research on the overall levels. And, you know, I, I know a lot of his work ties in very closely to what George Land said for creativity in terms of the peaks. And, you know, we start up high and we drop. And then uh, I, I think we're all getting lower, you know, because if you look at the how high we are at five, we're getting lower. But if you're saying as a, everybody all around lower, you know, it's hard to tell. There's a lot of research studies that show that certain countries have a little bit better curiosity than others. Certain generations have different curiosity than others. Uh, it, it just changes so much. And it's, it's not a really easy thing to answer. But I can say that it's, it's something that needs a lot more research. I think that it's an area a lot of people have researched a little bit of. Like Francesca Gino at Harvard has a great HBR Piece. I, I totally recommend re, uh, looking at that. She was on my show. And we talked about this. It was just wonderful conversation. Um, and she researched some of, you know, the value of it. And, and I've had uh, Amy Edmondson on the show who has an incredible TED Talk talking about uh, how they rescued the miners out from under the Chilean miner disaster by using curiosity to work better in collaboration. So I think that the companies are starting to really see the value of improving curiosity because we know so many companies that were here in 1985 or 1995, they're all gone. You know, I mean, the wise, it's a high percentage of them are gone. So if they don't want to be another statistic, you got to figure out how to fix this. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we, who would have ever thought the Kodak wouldn't be every shelf on the, you know, that you walked into a store. If these things, things change and you know, the things with Uber and, uh, you know, Teslas and things are going to reinvent the, the landscape of every industry. And if you want to survive, you got to ask a lot of questions because, you know, to quote Marshall Goldsmith, what got you here is not going to get you there, right? And if you don't think about that, um, what's it going to take to get over that mindset? And it really is about curiosity. And I think that the companies like Verizon and Novartis really get this by creating programs within their company that reward uh, curious minds and getting away from status quo thinking through learning. Uh, I know Novartis has 100 hours a year they, they anticipate for people to, to get out there and learn, and they're paying for this. They're doing TED Talks to discuss curiosity to promote people presenting content what's a better way to learn something than to teach it so if they have people as presenters on ted that's wonderful verizon i was just in new york doing filming for them for little tidbits of content that they give to their employees because they know they like it in little bites now instead of big long so you know how everybody wants little bits and pieces of video so we did a lot of you know little discussions of uh, curiosity and how they can improve things. And, and they get credit for listening to these things. And they, this is the kind of thing they're rewarding, the, the, the questioning, the thinking. And at, at, uh, Novartis, they have big boards that they put up saying, write on this board, tell us what you're curious about this today. And, and at uh, Verizon, they have a, a hashtag for what, you know, my edge or whatever their latest hashtag is for follow this. This is what I'm curious about and this is what I'm learning and that's what we have to do we have to make this be a social platform so we all encourage the other rest of us 
to, to get on board. And it has to start at the top. Leaders have to embrace curiosity. They have to make it very clear that, that you know, they're vulnerable too. They're going to ask the stupid questions. If they have fear, here, I'm in a meeting right now. I'm the leader. I don't know everything. And to show you, I value curiosity. I'm going to ask a really stupid question right now kind of thing. And that's going to be what it's going to take. Yeah. You know, when we, we're a little bit past the information age now, uh, everybody says we're in something called the experiential age. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the information age, we started to understand almost everybody had access to the same information. Mm-hmm. And so we became reluctant to actually ask questions because you could just uh, Google it. Right, it's awkward right. now at Thanksgiving dinner when, when somebody says, who starred in that movie? And you could just see people kind of eyeing their phones <laughs> like, who's going to reach for it first? Which kills uh, the conversation. Uh, right. And I'm thinking about little memes like this, like uh, my least favorite, uh, and it's the antithesis of curiosity, in customer service, my least favorite line is, you're all set. Because there's no faster <laughs> way to shut down the conversation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's um, the opposite of yes and. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh-huh. And so what you're suggesting is in some cases, what's actually going to be changing the, 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 the corporate scripts that we use mm-hmm. to communicate with each other internally, to communicate with customers on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've actually used this as an example in one of my talks. I, I was trained out of asking questions in one of my sales training uh, oh. programs. We, we went through, it felt like two years of onboarding and it was on and off for two years, intense training to be a pharmaceutical rep. It really was highly, um, you know, intense uh, training. But what they did was they put into your head that you have three products and you better get through these three products and this doctor is going to have five minutes if you're lucky probably two if you're you know and you better say this and that and they give you the script that you had to memorize and and you're going through your head with oh i gotta say this i gotta say that and i can remember one of my first calls i was in an office and i was able to get in to see the doctor i was so excited he actually let me in his office to begin with and i got through all three products and i just I was so stunned because I didn't think I could do it. And, and I remember walking into the elevator, go get him some samples. And I'm just so happy. I'm patting myself on the back thinking I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. You know, and I get into the elevator and this guy gets on with me and I'm an extrovert going back to the extrovert conversation. And I'm like, I can't go two floors without talking. So I look at him and I said, so do you work in the building? And he looks at me and he's like, you just, gave me the presentation. It was the same guy. I didn't even look at him. Okay. I was so (laughs) obsessed with getting out what I wanted to say that there was no, you know, no communication whatsoever. It was me just bleh. Right. And if you think about that, if he hadn't got on the elevator, I would have been walking around who knows how long thinking that was the best conversation I ever had. Yeah. That was a big, And how many people aren't getting on the elevator with you to let you know, that what you just did really wasn't good. I like the line that uh, I was trained out of asking questions. I was. Uh, I mean, they didn't intentionally do that. And maybe their training's different now. Yeah. I mean, this was many, many years ago. But uh, it, it really did make, I mean, it made it so that I, I feared running out of time. I feared not getting my message out. And if I had just spent more time looking around the office, seeing what he was interested in, being curious of where he went to school or who was, oh, you're a kid, you have kids, you have a wife, the, the, the relationship you could be building based on that curiosity is so much stronger than, you know, 
anything else. If I'm like, why would you have this beautiful red painting behind you with this, you know, whatever it is that I'm finding in the room and, oh, you love plants, you know, look around and see what they have. And it really would have been a much more uh, effective conversation. You know, when you read uh, books about wisdom and how, did, how, did, how we, we age into the golden years and all this stuff, you, you hear a lot of people, you know, people say the same things like, uh, you'll never regret the things you did, you'll only regret the things you haven't right. done. And another one I hear a lot is, um, is uh, I used to think I had all the answers and now all I have are questions. Mm. Is there a, what is your view, either through the research or your own personal view, that as we age, do we become more curious? Do we become more open to listening to people or, or showing interest in them? No, and I wish we would. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to change. Yeah. And that's exactly what I found the opposite of. And we, we're, as we age, I, the creativity factor, which is very close to the curiosity issues, um, to go back to George Land's work, at age five, I believe, 30, uh, yeah, at age five, I think that 98% of the kids that they studied at NASA's, uh, with the NASA training program he had come up with, they were looking at kids, and I think 98% were creative geniuses, but by the time they were in their 30s, it dropped to 2%. And we see the same thing, you know, curiosity just peaks, and then declines. Wow. So that's the problem. We, we educate ourselves out of this. Uh, Sir Ken Robinson's TED Talk, another great example of how we educate people out of things. He's, he says, you know, the education system was set up for, the, you know, the industrial revolution time, you know, where we wanted people to have high science and math and, and to, we promoted the idea of having graduate degrees and, and all these fancy things. But then we forgot about creativity. We forgot about curiosity. We forgot about all this stuff that makes you much more well-rounded and, and balanced. And so yeah. we, we need to look at what we're doing, what we're saying, what teachers are, you know, having to teach to the test. They may want to encourage things, but they're being rated on this, you know, over here. And so you've got that happening. You've got, you know, your family dynamics, you have siblings that are brutal, you have whatever it is, you know what I mean? And they all will have an impact. Yeah. So if corporations want to have their companies, you know, really change, a lot of it begins there because we know where people are and we could only go up. And that's what I'm hoping to do is to make that awareness of how crucial this is because it's like baking a cake. Okay. Let's think about curiosity in this way. Okay. If you're going to bake a cake, you're going to make, um, take your ingredients, your flour, your eggs, your water, oil, whatever you're going to mix, and you're going to put it in a pan and you're going to put it in the oven, hoping for your end product of a cake. Mm -hmm. But if you don't turn on the oven, you don't get cake, you get goo. And in the workplace, if your end product instead of a cake is productivity and making money, right? So you're mixing engagement and innovation and all these things of motivation and drive and everything you think is really important, but nobody's turning on the oven of curiosity is the spark and you're getting goo. Okay. So that's what the problem is. And, and it seems so basic and so simple to think of curiosity as being important, but yeah, it's important. So somebody has to do something about it. And to Definitely. do something about it, you have to figure out what's stopping it. And that's what I did. That's a great analogy. The book is uh, Cracking the Curiosity Code. There's a, uh, a self-assessment that you can take at curiositycode.com. Do I have that right? 
Yeah, or at drdianehamilton.com. Either way, you can get to it. You're all over the internet. You have a fantastic podcast. Where, where can people find that? Thank you. Everything is at drdianehamilton.com. Uh, my show is actually nationally syndicated at radio and podcasts, so you can find it on a lot of different uh, platforms, in, you know, iHeart, iTunes, everything like that. But you can also find the stations listed on my, show, my uh, website at drdianehamilton.com. As well as, you know, what's really nice is we transcribe the show. So everything we talk about is linked to. So when you're on my show, anything you and I talk about will be linked to. And that's all on my blog. And we created it into a blog. So it's really nice to have that. You are a content machine. I am a content machine because I'm curious. Yes, you are. It's been a pleasure to uh, talk with you today. I hope we've got some people fired up about becoming better versions of themselves by being more curious. I hope you sell a million copies of your book and, and uh, best of luck with everything. Well, thank you, Michael. I'm just hoping everybody takes some time to really work on developing their curiosity because it could only make life much more interesting. Dr. Diane Hamilton, everybody. Thank you, Diane. Thank you.